Hey, this is Colby, and welcome to the Learn By Doing podcast. So excited today to have one of my good friends, um, Jerry Nickerson, on the podcast with us. Jerry, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, brother. I'm excited to be here. Hey, man, you drove straight in. Yeah. This day before Thanksgiving, drove straight in from Oklahoma. You didn't even go see your family. You came straight to the podcast. I wanted to see you first. Oh, That's man. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what, a, what a line. I wanted to see you first. No, you Come didn't, on. man. That's, That's funny. Hey, but seriously, thanks for um, uh, taking time this holiday and, and having a conversation with us. I know you're, you, you're up in, at Victory Church mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doing good. Um, doing good up there, man. But you were, man, you were part of this church, former student, mm-hmm. um, went through OSL, went through SAGU, man, mm-hmm. you and I just have a, a great relationship, great friendship, man, we've just walked through a lot of stuff together, um, and then you left uh, <laughs> and felt the call to go to Oklahoma, but so thankful that we can have this conversation, man, and, and talking about, you know, some of the things that you've learned since you've left the Oaks and, and left OSL, but also, man, just your story. Mm-hmm. and how you've um, managed to go through all of the things that you've gone through, and it's just an incredible, incredible testimony. Um, so the f- yeah. first thing, man, just jumping in, um, man, what are what are some things that you've learned being at Victory, you know, um, leaving the Oaks and, and leaving your home, you know? Yeah. Midlothian is definitely yeah. <laughs> is definitely your home, and, and going to Oklahoma City, you know, yeah. that, that may have taken a couple of adjustments, but man, yeah, just wanted to um, open that up for you. Yeah, I think uh, the, one of the biggest things I've learned first off is community is so important. And coming to Oklahoma City, I really didn't have a lot of people I knew, didn't have a lot of community. Um, and it was one of those things I had to fight for. I had to fight for community, fight to put myself out there to know people. And it was one of my favorite things is I got to know a lot of the people who are still my best friends to this day through the church and through my job. And so. I think that's one of the things I had to learn is, man, you have to fight for it. It's not going to come easy, but um, it's worth it. And then the other thing is God will equip you. I thought that it's one of those things that I was like, man, I'm really not ready. I don't know. Like I was like, dude, God, you're going to have to do something because at the end of the day, do I really know what I'm doing? Like all this weight and responsibilities on me. Am I ready? Like it was, it was a lot of growing in my faith. And so I realized very quickly that God did equip me that I was a lot more ready than I thought I was. Yeah. And um, it was one of those cool things that God also showed me that I have a lot of areas I do need to learn in though. And <laughs> it was just, it, it just pushed me not to settle, to always yeah. grow and to realize that I may know a lot, but I don't know enough. And God's always going to stretch me and fill those gaps, but I have to continue to lean in and learn and be a, you know, be a student. And yeah. so, yeah, I think those are the three things I would say I've really learn this first yeah year. absolutely so how long have you been at victory now 14 months now 14 months yeah. so just over a year just yep. over a year um to tell us really quick what are some what are some great things that you've seen happen in the youth ministry maybe per, some testimonies or anything like that specific yeah so one of the cool things we saw is um, a lot of the students got baptized after camp which was really cool because a lot of students it's a diverse youth group so okay you come, you have students. When you come. say diverse, what do you mean by diverse? Okay, it's black and white. Oh, it, it's, it's let's say, let's name the list. Okay, so <laughs> you got you got some of the kids that are from more of like private schools. You got kids okay. that are from public schools. You got kids that have a stable family of kids that have one person, and they're really the dad and mom of the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have kids from different races, ethnicities. Yeah. It's very much a commuter church instead of okay. a community church, and so that was a challenge initially. But I realized that 
God, that's how heaven's going to look. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Why do you, why do you feel like that was a challenge initially? Initially is because, um, I was used to kind of a certain type of student in the yeah. sense that, I mean, my, in myself, I'm diverse, I'm black yeah. and white, but I was also <laughs> loving like a community. I was yeah. loving a small yeah. group. I was loving a group of friends, things like yeah. that. And so going into another role, I was like, dude, I'm going to have to realize that not all these people look the same, talk the same, yeah. think the same, their families aren't the same. Yeah. And so to bring the community vibe into a youth ministry was an initial challenge and something that we're not perfect at, but we're growing at. So. Yeah. Well, and even just the Oaks demographic is a suburban church, you mm-hmm. know, we're outside of the city and victory is it's pretty, it's pretty much in the city. Yeah. I mean, pretty much in the city of Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. And so definitely just dealing with that diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said you've seen some great things. You said baptism. So go, go back into that. Yeah. So one of the things that I've just been challenged by is that man, salvation is not just a hand raise, but it's also you like living for the Lord outside of just one decision, one night. And so it's like, if you want to live for the Lord, the first thing he asks you to do is be baptized. And mm-hmm. so actually seeing students take that step, yeah. seeing students, um, one of the cool things I saw is um, I went on a float trip with a student council group and it was one of those things. A what trip? A float trip. So we floated the river. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. we floated the river, student okay. council trip. And yeah. then um, I went because one of my core students, um, him and his dad always go, he's a senior this year. And we ended up going. And through that, I got to meet a lot of his friends, a lot of people that for six months were saying no to him to go into church and things like that. Wow. And so it was just him um, and his friend, and they were just going together. And then after the flow trip, I kid you not, we probably had 30 people from their school visit, and people have been baptized wow. from their school and their friend group. And Come I've on. just seen kind of like a revival happen. Yeah. And it really is based on him continuing to love people and yeah. being faithful and me just kind of tagging along and kind of helping them out. Yeah. So it's really, yeah, I'm yeah. Just here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, come, you know, well, I know. think that's, I mean, I think that's the picture of Ephesians. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Ephesians four where it says, um, you know, pastors, apostles, prophets are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in a way, yes, you're, you're modeling, uh, what it means to be a Christ follower, but also you're raising up disciples, dude. And right. if he's freaking bringing, you know, 30 some odd people it's like let's go bro whatever we can do to keep making disciples there that's awesome right so when did that happen so that was in august the trip happened and obviously we're in late november now so um i've just seen so much growth in them and it's not just him it's also his girlfriend now they just work together as a team and it's been really cool because I mean, I'm being dead serious when I say 30, maybe 35 people have visited. It's been crazy. And yeah. 20 consistently come every week. So obviously, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that it's lasting. It's not just yeah. an initial thing that happened. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Like, I'm really excited and proud of them. Yeah, man. I think that's that's a that's an awesome testimony. It's, it's a, I think it's testament to, to your leadership too. Man, Jerry, you're one of the greatest uh, lovers of people that I know. And uh, I wouldn't, I, it'd take a lot for me to go on a float. I don't even know if, I mean, I floated the river, but it was, it was interesting. (laughs) I'm not an outdoorsy person. No, you are not. Yeah. So I was like, oh, there's bugs everywhere. This water's (laughs) disgusting. It's fine. Like, you know, I don't know who's done There's snakes in the water maybe. Yeah. I hate snakes. So I, I, yeah, it was an experience. The Lord stretched me. So. I survived. You're a missionary, man. Yeah, basically, <laughs> you know, I survived, so I'm okay. Where was it at? Oh, man, it was in, like, northeast Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, I okay. don't know the river name. Okay. Um, 
Okay, we'll go. We'll kind of segue uh, from that. Just hearing all that God's doing uh, in um, the youth ministry there, man. To kind mm-hmm. of, I wanted to talk about your story, man, yeah. and how you came to Jesus. But I think, man, you've just you've just overcome a lot uh, in the short amount of time that you've been living. And uh, God has just done an incredible work, even from you know when I initially met you, man, uh, to to now. It's been a crazy, incredible journey, uh, yeah. and and really a testament to your faith more than anything, and and perseverance in in the hope that we have a Jesus. So, man, I'd love for you to just kind of share and 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 open up about that. Yeah. So um, my story starts. I was born in Houston. Uh, both my parents were drug addicts, alcoholics, and um, my mom actually met my dad because she was literally on the street homeless he worked at a homeless shelter and um they were both older in life and i popped up and was like hey how y'all doing um they weren't planning on having any kids my dad yeah. was like 46 my mom was 39 but i ended up uh, they ended up getting married uh, because of me and then um one of the first things that kind of happened throughout my life was um, i was born with an abnormal amount of blood vessels which I have a scar now, but that was after 10 surgeries throughout my life up until my seventh grade year where they removed most of them, but it's like I'm left with a bunch of scar tissue and things like that. So it's initial thing that I got dealt with, the card I got dealt with was, hey, you're going to have this scar and deal with this lip thing for the rest of your life. And hey, I just want you to know kids are going to be mean. They're going to be be insecure about this because... They don't understand it. You look different, and they're going to make sure you know that you look different. Yeah, so it's, you kind of briefly touched on that. Say that again so, uh, like, people that don't know what that, like you said, a, a what? An it's out, it's out? A- abnormal amount of blood vessels. Okay. And so it was just something that, like, oddly enough, it like kind of like a tumor type okay. thing, and I was just born with, and, I mean... Yeah. Hey, it's a card that I, it was a consequence card. It was a card that I just got. So you had surgeries to kind of remove it and different things like that. So you got a scar Mm -hmm. there on uh, the chin area. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but anyways, continue. You said friends or not friends, but just people would just make fun of you. Yeah. And so that was like one of the first things I realized is growing up, I was really insecure and um, just really broken in that sense. And then when I was eight years old, uh, my dad had a seizure in a sprint store and ended up that he had lung cancer. Uh, battled radiation chemo, but didn't really help. He ended up, uh, the cancer had metastasized to his brain. And so the doctors, after about a year, said, man, we can't do anything. We're going to have to kind of give up in the hospital way of putting him on hospice. And so my mom and I would stay um, in the living room with him, sleep on a pallet there. And um, one morning he did not wake up with us. Um, And so I just remember my mom being hysterical, running out of the house and I was just left in this moment where I was having to look at my dad and just think, what what is going on? I'm nine years old and my dad had just passed away and um, I didn't really know how to react and I was so confused at God because I was like, what is what is happening? And so uh, one of the things that happened during this time with my mom is that whole year of him battling radiation chemo, we were the American Christian family in the sense we went to church on Sundays mostly. and it wasn't really modeled other than praying before meals, what really living for the Lord looked like. And so he, uh, she ended up like turning to cocaine instead of Christ during this time to deal with the pain. And I just remember um, her losing so much weight and rats started to come into our house and it just got to the point where we had to move into a homeless shelter ourselves. So nine years old and we moved into a homeless shelter and 
stayed there for 14 months and uh, my mom got clean off of alcohol and drugs because of the shelter as a faith-based program and um, yeah it was great but two years later she ended up relapsing and so she um, started drinking again and it really hurt our relationship a lot because I realized that and this is the feeling I kept getting man she's choosing this substance she's choosing this alcohol over me yeah like she loves this more than she loves me and um, it just really hurt our relationship hurt um, me going through puberty all this stuff I'm already like she's trying to raise a guy herself and mm -hmm. as a single mom and she's trying to deal with all this pain of losing her husband but um, I was just dealing with the pain of losing my mom and two years passed my freshman year I'm 14 uh, freshman year of high school I'm 14 and uh, she picks me up from school and when she picks me up from school she's drunk um, which wasn't abnormal uh, she picks me up and um, she ends up falling whenever she's walking up the stairs to our apartment breaks her heel um, ends up we go to the hospital and not only does she break her heel but she had cirrhosis of the liver which is a deadly liver disease where basically her liver is fried due to all the alcohol consumption and so uh, I just remember going um, up to Dallas with my aunt who was like a second mom to me all throughout my life she never had kids um, and so my aunt and I uh, and my uncle we just kind of had a moment where they would kind of comfort me in any way they can while my mom's in the hospital trying to I'm waiting on the waiting list all that kind of stuff and I just remember a time where I called her and um, I just wanted to talk to her but at this point she didn't even remember who I was her body was starting to break down and um, she didn't recognize me and, and for the longest time it was just us it was just me and my mom and so it still is one of the hardest things to talk about because I realized in that moment that my best friend didn't remember me and obviously when your own part of your body starts to break down your whole body starts to break down and so I just remember at 14 just bawling my eyes out and my aunt takes me down um, down to see her in Houston and walk in the hospital room to see her and her, at this point her eyes are completely yellow um, she can't even verbally speak anymore and I had to communicate with my mom by just squeezing her hand. And I just I just remember, man, what what am I supposed to do? Like who who prepares you to mm -hmm. speak to your mom for the first or for the last time? And there's no instruction manual you can read. There's nobody who can really tell you what to say. And um I remember walking out of that hospital room and looking back at her and I remember asking her the question, um, are you ready to to go be with our dad, my dad, and mm -hmm. and she, uh, the next morning she uh, she didn't wake up. My my aunt told me that uh, she had gone to be with Jesus, and I just remember this time my reaction to the Lord was a lot different. I yeah. wasn't confused at this point. I was a little older. I was actually angry. Yeah, I was I was really upset at the Lord because I was just thinking, man, what did I do to deserve this? Mm -hmm. Why is all this crap happening to me? It's not like. It was a consequence for something I did. Like, all this crap that's happened to me, Lord. Like, what did I do? Why am I so bad? Like, mm -hmm. I got born with this. Both my parents have passed away. And both and parents had passed away by the age of... 14. By the age of 14. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And so I was just... I was in this spot of brokenness. I knew that the Lord was the right answer. I knew that I didn't want to go to hell. But at the same time, it was so hard for me to want to live for God after mm -hmm. all this had happened. And so ended up um, moving up to the Dallas area with my aunt and uncle permanently in Midlothian, actually. And so um, I ended up 
going to school, to Midlothian High School, and get invited actually to the Oaks for the first time my sophomore year. Um, and I moved there and uh, started coming to the Oaks. And it was one of those things that I knew that the Lord was calling me to something. I started going to a small group at Pastor Scott's house, and I knew what the right answer was, but I didn't want to deal with the pain. Yeah. And I would make excuses why I couldn't come to church. I would I'd, uh, deny some of, some of my friends' invites, and I really wanted to distract myself from the pain instead of deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I had to um, understand that, man, the Lord, the Lord wasn't mad at me, but it wasn't something I was fully able to grasp in that moment or ready to. My junior year, I get invited um, to a church and I start in the youth group and I start really living for the Lord. And um, I started to, I started to think, man, this pastor, he's like speaking to me. He's speaking directly to me, but obviously it wasn't the pastor, it was God. He was using this guy to speak to me, and I started to give the Lord a lot of my fear, a lot of my brokenness, a lot of the pain that I'd carried for so long, a lot of the insecurity, and he started to heal me, and he started to restore me, and he started to give purpose to my pain. And so I started to be that guy that brought his Bible to school, be the guy that was outspoken at church Sunday, Wednesday, whenever, any kind of thing that was going on at the church, I was ready to go all in with it because I really was hungry for God. And mm-hmm. I realized that my desperate need for him. And the Lord started opening up doors for me to lead small groups and be an influencer in uh, my school. And I ended up winning Homecoming King my senior Let's year, go. which had nothing to do with <laughs> me being like some cool stud athlete because yeah. I fractured my tibia my freshman year of high school <laughs> and I didn't play sports since then. And so it was one of those things I knew that, man, the only reason why people voted for me is because of just the Lord and my relationship with him and the joy that I had brought to people. And so it was one of those cool moments where my senior year, I had to decide whether or not where I wanted to go to high school or whenever I wanted to go to college. Um, a lot of my friends were going to Texas A&M. And since I was in middle school, um, I wanted to be the, the black Bobby Flay. I wanted to be a <laughs> chef. And so I wanted to, I wanted to open, open up my own restaurant. And so um, I was in culinary in high school and all that kind of fun stuff. And it was one of those things that I realized more and more as I grew closer to the Lord that that was more of my plan, that God was calling me to something bigger and something different. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized the Lord was calling me to full-time ministry. And so I decided to apply to Texas A&M, apply to SAGU. I get accepted to both, but I went with God's plan. Obviously, I'm here today to mm-hmm. talk to you about it. And um, it was one of those things that, man, I interned with the youth ministry here. It was phenomenal for a year. Um, I was just kind of understanding what I'm supposed to be doing and kind of what best fit is and all that stuff. And um, second year comes by and we go to a Jenny Mayo conference, you know, Mm -hmm. the youth ministry legend herself. And uh, we go to a conference with the team and uh, we're there like all day. And uh, it's one of those things where my phone's on airplane mode at this point because I wanted my battery to last on the ride home. And (laughs) It's like 10 o'clock and I uh, turn it off airplane mode as we're leaving and I ended up getting a text and some missed calls from one of my cousins and I just remember him just texting me and, and just saying, man, where are you? I need you to come home, all this stuff. And I'm like, man, what is going on? It wasn't like somebody I talked to all the time. So I ended up um, calling him back and he just says, I just need you to come home as soon as you can. And he said, I can't tell you over the phone what's going on. 
So I'm just in this van ride going back, and I'm just praying to the Lord. I'm freaking out. I'm crying because I'm like, dude, my house burned down. Like, what is what is happening? Like, yeah. the worst-case scenarios are all going through my head. And um, I get back to Sagu um, to get in my car, and one of my other cousins meets me there, and he just gives me a big hug and just says, Jerry, I'm so sorry, but your aunt died tonight suddenly. No, she wasn't sick. It wasn't like... Uh, my dad, where there was a year of battling it, was like my mom, where I was kind of preparing for it, suddenly, died in her sleep. And I realized in that moment that I had a choice to make. I could either turn from God or go to the person who's been there the whole time, mm-hmm. through all the other storms, through all the other valleys, that he, I knew what the right answer was. And so this response was different. Um, obviously, I didn't know why it happened, but I knew that I could still trust God. That yeah. it was still good. And so, the, man, the Lord surrounded me with so many people, you being one of them. Mm-hmm. I still remember the the box that you guys gave me, all my goodies and stuff that I love. And I just, I just remember that moment um, feeling so overwhelmed with um, the presence of the Lord because at the end of the day, it's it's hard. And, it, and, and things happen in our life that are hard. And But I still realized that, man, my faith can't falter. He's the only person that's gotten me through this. Like, I can't turn to anything else. And so I kept going. I kept I kept fighting and kept staying faithful to the Lord and ended up uh, finishing out my five years with OSL, got my master's, um, which is a big thing for me because neither one of my parents went to college. And um, the Lord opened up an amazing opportunity of victory. Um, and, yeah, I'm there. It's been great, a great 14 months. And, yeah, man, that's that's my life. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll chime in and 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 kind of fill in some things. So one, yeah, yeah. when you said uh, uh, you won Homecoming King. Yeah. Like yep. I don't. It's hard to communicate over like a podcast. Okay. Like people need to be able to have seen uh, oh. the way that you loved people. Like there was a real uh, um, an attraction to you because of how much you loved people no matter what man mm-hmm. you were just the most um outgoing loving kind person you fought for people you showed up to football games like you were just the you were just the you were just fun man you yeah. just were full of joy and for somebody to have experienced the loss of both parents but still be full of joy was is it was kind of profound and confusing mm-hmm. to some in yeah. a lot of ways, man. And so that's, I mean, that's what was so remarkable about you and Jesus just transforming your life is when you had every right and excuse to be um, sad and mm-hmm. depressed and the, a, a victim in some ways. You chose to just say, man, I choose God, right. um, and God is my Father. He's going to help me through this. He's He's with me. I He didn't cause this. He doesn't want this, right. but he's going to walk with me through that. Yeah. And I, I also remember you deciding to go to OSL. I was, we, we were, I was really excited, um, just really because I think that, um, man, yeah, God is just going to be able to use you in, a, in an incredible way. Not like use and abuse, but man, I just think that um, your strength, of your faith is so strong that it's going to help so many people when they want to give up. You know, yeah. when they when they want to say, dude, I can't handle this. Like, you're going to be able to say, hey, no, you can do this. Like, yeah. I've walked through it and we're going to walk through it together. 
Um, and, and that was exciting whenever you decided to come to OSL. I do yeah. remember when your aunt passed away. That was a big deal, man, because yeah. it was like, I mean, I remember you telling, I remember us having a conversation and you were just like, dude, what, what else, man? Yeah. You know, it was like, what else can, what else can be taken? Right. But even then you were still like, but I trust God, man. Yeah. Like I love Jesus and he is going to be my rock. He's going to be what I stand on. And even if everything in this world is taken from me, I still have him. Yeah. And I remember you get going through that season and it was hard. Like, yeah. I think, you know, we can talk about testimonies and, and our stories and just be like, yeah, you know, this and this happened. But like, I think the reality is like these aren't this isn't this wasn't a a monthly thing process you're still you still are processing stuff man you still are having to um uh uh trust in the lord and 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 deal with the emotions of all of that stuff yeah and i think one of the things you touched on is you had every right to give up or and, and not follow the lord but something that god's really helped me with because there's times still to this day and I think it'll always be in my life that I'm like thinking dude my mom's not going to be there my aunt's not going to be there my dad's not going to be there for my wedding yeah for when I have kids yeah for the milestone moments in my life and like it's just it's just really hard to think about and those feelings are real and they don't go away but it's one of those things that God's really taught me that although I feel like sometimes I was stuck in my pain that the Lord has just restored me and helped me understand that he wants to give purpose to that pain. Mm-hmm. And that if I never give up on Jesus, yeah. I can't because yeah. he's never given up on me. Yeah, And we can talk about just me as a person. Like I'm not a perfect person. No yeah. one is, but it's one of those things that you start to realize, man, God's never given up on me. Yeah. Even whenever I felt like I was all alone, he was there. Yeah, He's still been there. He hasn't given up on me. I think that's one of the things that God's really helped me understand is that if I just don't give up, yeah. if I keep waking up, putting one foot in front of the other and saying, God, use me today, yeah. I need you today. Yeah. And there's been a lot of mornings when, I mean, a lot of days <laughs> I'm like, God, it's, this sucks. Yeah. But I know that you're still with me. Yeah. I know that you're still for me and that you're still going to use me. And so that's one of the things I've really learned is just I can never give up on God. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. He's never given up on me. And I think it, it even just goes to the hope. You know, we, yeah. we talk about hope. Like, man, Jesus is our hope. Like, he is the answer for all of our struggles, pain, mm-hmm. but also the hope that we have to look forward to, which helps us to persevere through right. trials and tribulations and the things that this world just, you know, we just get dealt, the hand that we get dealt sometimes, you right. know. It's it's not always fair. It's yeah. It's not, man, the easiest thing. But it's 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 never about fair or unfair. It's always just about man. Uh, can you trust God with your life? Yeah. Can you trust Him in and when things go bad and when things go good? Yeah. Can you trust Him when you don't get what you want and then when He does fulfill a promise or uh, uh, you know a prayer a prayer request that you've asked for? You right. know, we don't always understand that. That doesn't you know it's not. It doesn't make sense to us logically, but God is <laughs> above our logic, you right, know? Right. And so I, I, yeah, I, I remember whenever even just you graduating, I was like, man, dude, you got your stinking bachelor's and master's degree. And I was like, what a, what a stinking example of just faith. 
yeah. of just faith, trusting that God has a plan for you. He's going to use you in a miraculous way, and He is. I mean, obviously, right. we talked about it at the beginning. God's right. using you really in, a, cool. in a miraculous way, man. Um, so one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about is just uh, for people that may have experienced loss or mm-hmm. um, really just, yeah, I would say let's start with let's start with that. Let's start with people that have just experienced loss um, how do you how do you deal with it, man? Like, I mean, obviously, we can say the easy thing is just, hey, Jesus, you know. But like, yeah. um, is there anything practically, or is there anything that um, you can speak to to uh, help anybody that's kind of gone through that or going through that? Yeah, I think um, it's a coincidence or not that I'm actually preaching for the first time um, at Victory Church on a Sunday, this Sunday, and so. One of the things that I'm sharing is my story, and I'm sharing this story called "Who's in Your Boat," wow. which really is just talking about, man, who's in your life, who's in, who's in the, who's in your life with you, and um, the three, the three things that I just remind people because when storms come in your life, and um, whether you're coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, you're going into a storm, you're gonna face a storm. You're gonna face something that's bigger than you, causes fear in your life and that only Jesus can silence. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that I remember that there's three things that I'd had to hold on to Mm -hmm. and trying to deal with that pain because there's no, I'm not gonna say there's a right answer in the sense of it looks the same for everybody. Obviously Jesus has to be the same because he's the only one who can silence it. But I think one of the things that God's just reminded me is number one, I have to remember that Jesus is still good. Mm -hmm. He's with me. He's for me. He mm-hmm. hasn't left me. Once you remember that Jesus is in your boat, then that'll help you so much realize the reality of the situation. Man, I'm not alone. I'm not yeah. by myself. And um, the other thing is just to remember seeing community. Oftentimes we isolate ourselves whenever things happen to us. Whenever there's loss, we, we try to isolate ourselves. And um, I feel like the enemy does his best work in isolation. I yeah. feel like the, the enemy lies to us the most. He's, he's a deceiver, and whenever we don't have the true church, which in all reality is not just the four walls, it's yeah. the believers that are in your life, it's your community. Um, if you don't have people speaking in your life, encouragement, um, making sure that you know that tangibly you have a person here that's for you, you also have people that are praying for you, that are encouraging you, building you up, then it's gonna be very hard to keep going. It's gonna be very hard to not give in to the lies. And so I re- the other third thing I remember is, man, every time I face loss, I have to always choose faith and not fear mm-hmm. because I, I believe the opposite of faith is fear and that um, I tell the story of in chapter in Mark chapter 4 whenever there's a storm going on in the boat and there's water getting into the boat and the disciples are afraid and then they rush back to the back of the boat and where's Jesus at? He's, he's asleep. He's asleep. He's literally, and the Bible says like, he's sleeping on a cushion, meaning he's sleeping with a pillow, like it's a good sleep, he's out, and they're freaking out. And they wake him up and shouting like, do you not think, do you not care about us? Do you think that you're just gonna sleep and we're about to die? Like, do you have, do you not care at all about us, Jesus? And the interesting thing is, is Jesus gets up, says, be still, silence to the winds and the waves, and they obey him. And then he turns to the disciples and they, he asks them two questions that I've been so fascinated with, is he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that I believe the Lord asked them those questions is because they forgot who was in their boat. Yeah. They forgot. They were afraid, which is a natural thing for us when we go through hard times, we go through loss, we feel like there's water about to get into our boat. 
But Isaiah 43, 2 says that when the rivers of difficulty come about you, you will not drown. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that we have to remember that although we may feel like this is too much for us, mm-hmm. this storm is about to overtake us, that we're not going to drown. If Jesus yeah. is in our boat, he's going to be with us. He's going to save us. He's going to silence the storm. And so I think that a lot of times we just have to choose faith that God, like Romans eight twenty eight says, he's going to work everything out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We have to remember that God's got us, yeah. that he's in our boat, he's with us, that if we can just hold on to our faith, that God's going to work something out. He's going to make a way in the wilderness. He's going to make a way where there was no way for yeah. us. And so I just believe those things are some of the things that I've really had to grasp and keep hold on to, because I know this isn't going to be the last storm. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I'm, I'm young. I'm 24 at the moment. So it's like I have a lot more life to live in Jesus name. And I know that there's going to be a lot more storms that come. Yeah. So I have to hold on to those three things. Yeah. One of the things that you said that I found really profound coming from you, like it's almost like a, a paradox coming from you in a way, um, is you, the first thing that you said is to just remind yourself that you're not alone. Yeah. And for somebody who really has a case, for in terms of family that says yeah you're dude you've seen what it looks like to really be alone like to know that that is that is a that is a true statement you know like i know that that's true not just because of um it's coming from the lord and i know you know even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death you are with me Mm -hmm. you know your rod and staff comfort me like even though the word of god says that like you're a testimony to that word that Jesus is you, is always with you, that you really aren't alone. Like God really is a comforter. He really is a friend alongside of you. He really is, um, uh, you know, living and with you uh, through through everything. So I find that extremely, you know, profound as, as we're kind of talking about that. Um, yeah, the other thing that you said that I, I find really interesting, which is kind of it's it's becoming a theme in a lot of our podcasts not a theme but just through the different podcasts that i've had every single person that i've interviewed has always said you have to fight for friendship or you have to fight Mm -hmm. for community like it's not just going to happen Mm -hmm. you actually have to work towards it and that is the reason why you know they are who they are like it's community and family and um friendships that they fought for were a big reason why they are standing today. Like the, mm-hmm. I think the past three podcasts that I've done have all said that. So I find that is extremely. That's you know when you're when you're seeing a pattern of going like, hey, you really need people. Right. <laughs> like you really do need the body of Christ. You know, it's it's it just becomes more and more encouraging, and it also becomes more and more um, of an indicator of going like, hey, dude, I got to be intentional. Yeah. Like the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy like a roaring lion. Lions attack to isolate, you know, and if I'm isolated trying to cope with some of this stuff, you know, um, and that doesn't mean that isolation is bad. Like if you're, you know, at home for a day or something like that, mm-hmm. it just means that relationally we actually need the body of Christ right. um, to survive, to live, you know, yeah. not just not just on our own, sure. So, yeah. And I believe that one of the things that, we're saying fight for community. Yeah. That means it's not easy. Yeah. And I think one of the things that the enemy lied so much to me, and it was a big stronghold in my life and a belief because of things that happened, is that the people closest to me are always going to leave me. Wow. And I understood that, man, if I don't let people in, Dude. then they can't hurt me. 
that wow. I have, the more that you let someone in, the more that you allow someone to be um, inside and vulnerable to see your flaws and to actually truly love you, the more that they can hurt you. And so it's one of those things, it's a fight because naturally, because of the loss, I don't like to let people truly in. Yeah. And I don't like to let people all the way in because I don't want them to have a chance to hurt me. Wow. But I realize that it's a fight, not only to find those people, the right people, but also it's a fight in myself yeah. to say, man, I need other people. Yeah. I can't do this life alone. Yeah. And it's not just a fight to find the right people, it's a fight in yourself. And yeah. I think that people that deal with loss, you don't want people to hurt you yeah. because you don't want the chance that someone else is going to leave your life. Yeah. But you have to put yourself out there and it's, and it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. Yeah. And I, and you're one of the people that I can still call on today yeah. to, because I've opened up to you because I've been vulnerable enough with you that you've loved me at my worst. You've loved me in times where I needed it the most. I mean, it's one of those things that God always, I've looked at every single time I've had loss, I've looked at the Lord be faithful to bring someone into my life. Yeah. Every single time he brings someone that loves him into my life, whether or not I let them fully in is my choice, but he's always faithful to provide somebody. And I realize more and more that if I just lean into those people, even coming up to OKC, there's been families that have embraced me and it's one of those things that was scary. Again, yeah, it's a you're fight. Afraid, yeah, it's, you're afraid to lose them, man. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to lose them, but I'm also afraid to let them hurt me. Yeah. Because I'm like, dude, I I just in a new space. I don't have any friendships or family, friends and and people that I've done life with for so many years here in Midlothian. I don't have anybody there now, and yeah. so I'm having to fight for community and in myself and saying, I'm gonna let these people into my life. So, yeah. And they may hurt me, but it's one of those risks that I'm taking because I want to actually have true people that love me and are speaking into me and value me and are able to really be with me. So I just think it's one of those things we have to remember that it's not just a fight to find the right people, it's a fight in yourself to allow people in. Yeah, I um, heard this one time, I don't even remember who it was from, so if someone's listening and they created it, then you know, and you want credit for it, <laughs> <laughs> you can have it. Um, but it, it was this, uh, God usually answers a prayer through a, through a, another person. Mm-hmm. Like the prayer that you're praying usually comes in the form of another person. Mm-hmm. Usually, I mean, yeah, sure. I think God. I mean, God can do anything, miracles, you know, right. dreams and visions. But for the most part, in terms of our life, our emotional needs, our um, you know uh, provision, anything like that, like uh, within uh, uh, the prayer requests that we have. Yeah. It's usually in the form of another person. And like yeah. you said, God will send the person there, but that doesn't right. mean that you have to actually fight to let them in and, and go like, hey, uh, uh, they may leave, they may hurt, they may be taken. Yeah. Whatever the, whatever the case may be, I have to fight to let them in and trust that God's the one bringing them in right. for however long of a time. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, man. Um, so one, one last question. Um, mm-hmm. Being in ministry, being a single guy, how is that? Like, what have you done? And and I'm I'm, I'm addressing this more so because I know you have a, a great girlfriend now. Come uh, on. Yeah, let's go yeah. celebrate. Um, but you, but being a ministry man, you gotta you gotta have um, and some guardrails. You gotta have some mm-hmm. protection, especially even um, uh, as a single mi- male minister. Man, that's a you know some people some churches don't even hire. Uh, single mm-hmm. guys or single people just because of the 
um, temptation of, you know, uh, a moral failure or anything mm-hmm. like that, man. So what are some things that you feel like you've done, worked on? Um, I know that we've talked about a few things, like we've been, you've been accountable to me on some mm-hmm. things, but I think just the, uh, the stuff that your pastor has made you do, I think oh, yeah. it's great for us to share on and, and talk about a little bit. Yeah. So, um, obviously I met my now girlfriend about a year ago around this time when I moved up there. And what's her name? And Sarah. Yeah. She's yeah, pretty great. She's awesome. <laughs> she's um, here. She's on the podcast. She's in the podcast studio with us. So yes. it's awesome. And, uh, it was one of those things that, um, initially when I came there, I came out of a relationship. And so it was one of those things that getting a new job, um, I needed time to number one, establish myself with parents, yeah. establish myself with the students, establish myself with the staff, understand who I, who my, what my role really looks like, kind of the fit. And I just had a lot of things I needed to focus on when I first got there. And so my pastor actually asked me whenever um, I approached him with the opportunity to, hey, um, there's this girl, Sarah, she's great. Um, I don't know how ready I am in the moment, but she's definitely someone that I see interest in mm-hmm. and I just wanted to make you aware of it. And he just asked me to take a complete year off dating um, <laughs> and don't hang out with her by yourself. Yeah. Um, don't put yourself in situations where you are like, y'all have the appearance of a relationship. Yep. Don't um, be in a situation where other people are viewing y'all as y'all are dating. Like she's not leading. She didn't lead um, in the youth ministry for a year. Um, and it was one of those things that was really hard for a long time because it got to the point where we were friends and we hung out in groups. Yeah. And it got to the point where it's like, man, I really do like her and I really would like to see what like the yeah. future holds. Yeah. Um, and it's a hard thing for even the pastor to ask me because I'm like, man, after after a certain amount of time, after months pass, you're like, all right, I don't know if a year is the length I need to wait. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> And I mean, for her, it's one of those things that she had to sacrifice and just say, man, I'm, I'm willing to wait. Like that was a huge ass because it frustrated me initially and early on because I was like, man, you're making me wait this year and she, and I could be losing out on a great girl. Yeah. And it was one of those things that he was firm enough and just saying, man, you just, this is what I want you to do. If you want to honor me, honor our church and like what we're doing, yeah. I think this would be the best move. And it was one of those things I just to submit to wisdom. And I realize now, and we talk about it, it's like that whole year we had the ability, not only for me to heal from a past relationship, but also for us to just become friends yeah. with no expectations. Cause there's a lot of things that I had to actually learn and grow in as the first time youth pastor in a new area, a new mm-hmm. spot relationships I needed to form, things mm-hmm. that like would have been essential to me that actually would have suffered and been hindered because and whether or not it's uh, intentional or not, I was just, my focus would have been distracted mm-hmm. and I would have been focused more on dating and figuring mm-hmm. out things like that and being, what does it look like? I'm not actually trying to get to know you. And it, I just think, I thank the Lord and I think uh, Pastor Oscar is who he is. And I just thank him because I, I think about it now and I'm like, man, there's so much wisdom in waiting because now our relationship's a lot further along mm-hmm. because there wasn't a lot of expectation for that year. Yeah. It was that we were just friends and we really didn't put ourselves in situations where we could do anything else. There was no there was no type of like, hey, let's go hang out by ourselves in a car. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. And so it was one of those things that 
now our relationship is a lot more pure and it's a lot easier to be pure because it wasn't founded on yeah. impure things. It wasn't yeah. founded on being sneaky and, yeah. and, and going against um, the rules and things yeah. that have been set up. And so I'm just, I'm thankful for it now. Obviously in the moment it was, there's a lot of times where it's hard. Well, I mean, I think, dude, you're in, you're, you just graduated college. Like the next like thing that you're thinking about is marriage, you know, right. and I'm not, I'm not throwing that on you right now, but it's just like, that's the next thing. And, and so, <laughs> and so in order for you to get there, you got, you have to, you know, start dating and you know, that's reasonable. It's totally mm-hmm. understandable. Um, and, a person in ministry like no other position in on planet earth would you have to wait a year for your job right. you know like right. that's freaking that's crazy yeah but i think <laughs> that you did some things uh and if you want to share some practical things that um like i remember you called me and you were like hey is this right yeah. <laughs> is this is this is this reasonable you know right. and i don't remember what i told you i probably told you yeah it's reasonable do it do what the guy said yes so but I, but yeah yeah talk talk a little bit about that yeah so practically i wanted to make sure that obviously uh pastor oscar wasn't crazy man that i was like where what church am i at right now and <laughs> it was one of those things that you just encouraged me that number one you need time to heal yeah. first of all yeah and number two if she if you really like her and she's the one then she'll be willing to wait and yeah. it's like you have the ability to actually become friends in a healthier standpoint of yeah. in groups and hanging out in safe places and it's like why do you why do you need to put yourself in situations to get to know her that yeah. aren't safe and aren't pure and so i realize that so often um as christians we look at dating and we're like dude this is this sucks there's so many rules and <laughs> yeah. I, I realize now that it's there's it's not really rules it's boundaries so it's like even to our relationship now she doesn't come over and like yeah. buy herself in my apartment or yeah. and like things like that because it's why would we put ourselves in a situation to fail yeah. yeah and and it's one of those things that you have to consciously make efforts and strides to say hey i know this is a season if we're doing it mm-hmm. right it's a season yeah because yeah. at the end of the day, like once you get to marriage, you get all the benefits and the yeah. the pluses of worshiping the Lord together. But it's like if you do it in dating, you screw everything up. Yeah, the order's messed up, and you start to other things that aren't supposed to be in a dating relationship yeah. that are only for marriage start to hinder your growth as people and just getting to know each other because yeah. it becomes more physical than actually intimate. And yeah. so. Um, I just realized that me setting up boundaries and now I, I call and talk to you and yeah. talk to some other people about the relationship, let you speak into it. I think that's another important thing that oftentimes we as people don't want to let people in our relationship. Yeah. You're like, Hey, it's, it's fine. Like this is our relationship. We don't yeah. need anybody else to speak into it. And yeah. like, they don't need to know this is us. And it's, yeah. I, you were one of the biggest reasons that I have this ability to allow people to speak in my mm-hmm. relationship because if you don't have people that are a little further along in the journey than you to, yeah. to teach you and to help you, then it's going to be very hard for you to avoid the mistakes that they've already made. Yeah. And that like wisdom is in wise counsel. So it's like, yeah. if I'm not taking advantage of people that are already married that yeah. actually know what they're doing, how they already got to the finish yeah. line of marriage, it's like, yeah. I'd be dumb. What am I going to just ask my friends yeah. that are just yeah. single and, and they may be <laughs> dating? It's like, no, I need some people who are a little further along in the journey yeah. that are actually doing it right, that are godly people to actually yeah. speak into our life. 
Yeah, man. And I just, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of both of you guys just because that's not easy. Um, and the enemy, especially for, for pastors and leaders, just wants to do anything that he can to minimize or or shortcut the process mm-hmm. and he you know and uh and handicap you later on yeah. because of uh you know moral failure whatever it is man um and as long as you're continuing to keep things in the light uh that's when things can grow and things can be healthy because things in dark or the only thing that grows in the dark is bacteria you don't want right. you don't want uh things growing in the dark you know Um, But I think, too, man, it's just a great example of whenever you're going to a new place, you really need to spend time setting down roots. Like Mm -hmm. you really need to spend time not jumping into relationships, not, you know, um, trying to figure out who you're going to marry, but just going like, hey, I came here because of the call of God first. I was being obedient. So So I'm serving uh, under that authority, under that mandate, and God has placed me under a pastor, and I'm going to be obedient to him. But even mm-hmm. if your pastor isn't saying, hey, please wait for a year, I think it's just a great idea to go, hey, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to take some time just to To be. get to know the yeah, area. Yeah, I'm just going to take some time to just be single. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with singleness. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times in the church especially, we just go, Oh, you're single. Oh, there must be something wrong, you know. Yeah. It, and that's not true. That's totally untrue. It's. I mean, Paul is freaking never married, you know. Yeah. Like the greatest, you know, Jesus. You know what I'm right. saying? It's like, I think we just have this this mark on singleness, and I just I just wanted to highlight that really quick and and just commend you for um, just saying yes to that at first, right. but also just understanding that that is a very wise thing to do whenever you're going into a new place, yeah. whenever you're going um, and you're and you're single and you're not married, it, it you know, the, the natural thing is, man, I'm lonely. I need yeah. a friend. Like, it would be yeah. great to have a girlfriend, man. It would be great to have a boyfriend, but to go like, no, hey, I'm going to create some boundaries. I'm going to make sure that I give time to things and let things to develop before I ever... Uh, step into anything is yeah. is huge. It's it's very wise for I sure. Think, I think it's so wise um, from his perspective because I I think about him. He's he told me, man, you're the example for my son who's yeah. incoming sixth grader now. Wow. And, I, and I just I have to realize that at <laughs> oh, the end dude, of the day, that's so big. yeah, he's oh, yeah. his son is looking at me yeah. as his youth pastor, yeah. how to date, how to handle situations, yeah. how to treat a girl. And I realize so often that a lot of times when there's divorce happened in um, a lot of the Christian church. Yeah, and yeah. It's because that they didn't allow the time to just become friends, to be yeah. just friends and yeah. then date. Yeah. And I think we rush so much in the church world just to get yeah. married. And it's really hard because the things that are worth the most you wait for. Yeah. It's like heaven's worth the most, Jesus worth the most, but you have to wait your lifetime to get yeah. to heaven. Yeah. And it's one of those things, if you really want a great marriage, then you'd be willing to wait a little bit yeah. in order to actually find the right well, it's, person. Dude, it's just like the whole slow cooking thing, you know? It's like true, man. Microwave. No microwave right. marriage. No. no, thank you. No, thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, I, I I, think that, dude, you're, you're modeling a great path for many people, not just in their faith, uh, in persevering through storms, but in how you're pastoring people and how you're loving people and how you're handling your relationships. Um, And that's not easy. You know, it's easy to give into emotion. It's easy to give into your feelings, but to do what you know God is telling you to do, to do and be um, obedient to what you feel like your pastor is doing. um, It takes a lot, man. That's it's, it's a true, um, 
it takes a man to do that, you know, yeah. it just, and, and that's part of being a man of God, man. And I just, I think it's huge. Um, and I'm proud of you for doing that Thank you. and, uh, Thank you. uh, being faithful there. One last thing, mm-hmm. uh, man, if there's anything that you, any advice that you have for students, maybe graduating or even stepping into OSL, going through college, like what advice would you give to, um, some of the students or even, you know, yeah, anybody, any advice that you feel like could be, uh, of value to um, any of our listeners? Um, I just think that um, the Lord's timing is perfect. It's a season that we're in as a church is present and just realizing that so often we trust God with our future. Oh God, you have these great plans for me, Lord. Oh man, I trust you with my marriage in the future. I trust you with my kids. It's going to be great. But we don't trust them with our present. Right now in this season, whether you're um, a student right now and you're like, dude, I'm getting overlooked. Oh, dude, that I feel like I'm, I should be ahead of this person. Or, man, I feel like I'm not getting the job offers at the church sizes that I think I deserve, or whatever the case is. It's one of those things that I realize, I mean, God is a God of the present, that he's got you, that you can trust him right now, that it may your journey may not look like everyone else's. But yeah. I've realized so much that, man, I'm still here, and I'm still like at this awesome church. And it's not because that, I'm the most talented, the most gifted, the greatest. It's just because I've remained faithful to the Lord and the steps that he just lined out in front of me. Because oftentimes I always say this to people. I'm like, man, we want to see what's at the top of the staircase instead of just looking at the next step. And and we just realize, man, trust God with your present. Trust God in this season where he has you. What is he calling you to do today? Yeah, that's great, man. That's my encouragement is just to continue to trust God with your present today. Yeah, man, I, that's, I think all of us, not just those that are in OSL or in college, like every single person can get distracted looking at what we don't have mm-hmm. instead of what we do have. And just being, like you said, faithful with just whatever God's asking us to do right now, right. not, not 50 years from now, but right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and that takes a lot. It takes a lot to do that. A lot of focus. So yeah. Jerry, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. We look forward to having you again sometime thanks, soon yeah, in the future. Awesome. Uh, and we'll be praying for you and, and you Thank guys you. up at, at Victory, you and Sarah, yeah, man. We, great. we really appreciate you guys coming down day before Thanksgiving and, and, and talking with us. I'm just so thankful for you, so I want to make sure I expressed it. <laughs> okay. I demonstrated it. Yeah, for sure. So, awesome, man. Love you, Colby. Love you, man.